Hi there. Hello and welcome to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. You're listening to episode number 216. My name is Delane Vaughn. I'm a board certified family practice doctor, a former emergency room nurse, a veteran healthcare provider, and the host of this podcast. This podcast is for women who are not ready to let go of their longevity, their vitality, and their vigor. It's for women who know that life is a gift and they're not ready to start the downward spiral of letting that go. This podcast is for badass women who master really hard things in life, all sorts of other areas of their life, but they can't seem to master chocolate cake. If this is you, let's talk. Today, we are gonna talk about excuses and how to fix them and how to use them really to fix your type two diabetes and your blood sugars. Before we get started, I want to remind you that if you are on medications for your type two diabetes, please be very careful as you make changes, the changes that I recommend in this podcast in order to fix your diabetes. You have been medicated due to, I'm getting a feedback. Okay, you have been medicated due to the way that you have eaten in the past. So if you start eating differently, you're gonna need different meds. You need to get a very clear line of communication open with your primary care provider or whoever gave you those meds in order for you to understand how they want you to communicate with them, your blood sugar so that they can communicate back with you how you need to adjust your meds down. If not, you can get very, very sick. The kind of sick that looks like an ER visit, a hospitalization, ICU care, possibly death. You can get really, really, really sick. So I need you to hear me. If you're making these dietary changes to the way that you eat, you are gonna have to make changes to the medications also. And you can't do that. You're gonna need guidance. You need to contact your doctor who's giving you those meds or your provider who's giving you those meds so that you keep yourself safe, okay? So be really careful as you do this. So the other thing I wanna encourage you guys to do, I want you to rate the podcast. I want you to share it with friends. If you're getting help from this podcast, studies say that nine out of 10 Americans have the same process going on, this insulin resistance going on. If you're finding benefits to your health and your health goals because of this podcast, chances are good nine out of 10 of your friends also need to hear this information. They need to know that they don't have to be sick, that they don't have to be medicated all the time. So if you're getting help from this, share this with friends, share it on your social media, rate the podcast on whatever podcast player that you're using. Let people know there's another way to do this. Share this information with them. Also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. MD is the place to do it. Follow me or subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hopefully you're actually watching this live on YouTube. I tried to make an announcement about when I'm going, like before time, about when I'm gonna be recording the podcast so that you can join me on YouTube. That's actually what was being, the feedback that I was just hearing was where um, my vocal feed was going live. I don't know why there's a lag, but whatever. You can also get this information. One, you can get it before it drops on the uh, the podcast players. Two, you have the opportunity in that live feed to ask me questions, to interact with me there, if there are things that you wanna know. So go and subscribe to the Delane MD YouTube channel so you can get this information quicker, sooner, and you have some help there. The other place you can get a lot of help is at the Facebook group, the Delane MD Reversing Diabetes Facebook group. This is a really fun group of ladies who are interested in supporting each other and sharing recipes and answering questions and telling people how they've done it to give different ideas. It's such a great group of women. I highly encourage you. There are some gentlemen in there and I'm so appreciative of them. Um, so there are just a number of different folks in there. 
go and join that group. If you're really interested in getting the help that you need to reverse your type 2 diabetes, that is one place there is help and there's an abundance of it. So go and uh, check that group out. You have to ask to enter. I have to give you permission to enter the group, but just go in there. I try to do that a couple times a week. Um, I definitely interact in that group also. So there's a lot of help there. Okay. Lastly, if you're really interested in reversing your type 2 diabetes, I offer diabetes reversal assessment calls. These are 45 minute calls for women who are interested in reversing their diabetes. During this call, we figure out what your obstacles are and why you haven't been able to overcome them. You can also talk about the group program where you get group coaching and one-on-one -on -one coaching to help you reverse your type two diabetes. If that's something you're interested in, don't hesitate to reach out to me. If you ever have any questions, if you ever wanna know how you can get involved with the group, if you ever want me to tell you, what is that Facebook group name again? Send me an email, delane at delanemd.com. I will always answer. There is help for you along this journey. There's a way to get the help, to get the support, to get it done quicker, okay? To finally put this behind you. So don't hesitate to reach out for help. All right, today we are gonna talk about excuses. It is important to understand what's really happening when we're using excuses so that we can stop being compelled by the excuses. And what I mean by being compelled, we can stop doing the damn thing that our excuses are trying to tell us is okay to do, okay? I'm gonna use a number of different examples. Hopefully some of these uh, resonate with you. And then I'm gonna give you some strategies for how you stop believing, not the main strategy that I use to help women stop believing these excuses, okay? So I've taught about excuses in a number of different ways. And I still think that like the surface level way I've taught about it is pretty important. Sometimes we are using excuses because we have a deeper need that we have not developed another way to meet. Meaning if I need to relax, and I've used food for the last 20 years to help me get there, I, st I make an excuse to use the food to create the relaxation. That surface level is that you need to figure out another way to relax. But what we're gonna talk about today is really deeper than that. It's deeper about what's going on. So excuses are embellishments of an experience that makes you believe that it's okay to eat the food that's making you sick. Sometimes it's embellishments, sometimes it's elaborations, sometimes it's full-blown full, full fabrications where we're just making up stories, okay? What I mean by embellishments, embellishments take something that's beautiful and makes it prettier. It takes something that's already there and makes it more. It takes your desire for food and it adds to it. That's what I mean by embellishment. The way you're going to know whether you're making an excuse is because you're going to look at how you feel afterwards. If you're feeling guilty, if you're feeling shame, if you're feeling disappointment, or if you feel like a failure at the end of it, it's likely because you believed an excuse. Okay. Sure, there's a ton of other really dumpy feelings that we believe or that we feel at the end of excuses, but these are pretty common ones that I hear from women. Women, when they've believed an excuse, that allows them to act, act against their bigger goals, feel these feelings, okay? So an example, this is, a, this is an example that I definitely had this experience a thousand times. And I know many of my clients have had very, very similar experiences and hopefully it resonates with you. You find yourself struggling to stop eating candy in the middle of the afternoon at work. Like for me, 
every office I've ever been in, either they have a candy jar or they have, we've had candy drawers, like entire drawers of candy in multiple different offices I've worked at. I'm not sure what that means about medical offices, but whatever. You have some candy access, whether it be a jar or a bowl or a drawer at work, and you find you struggle to not hit the candy jar at work. You start out with desire for the chocolate, right? Like, cause why? Because chocolate's good. That's why you desire chocolate. But then you realize you're having an afternoon, you know, one of those really hard afternoons where it feels like everything's just weighing on you. You may feel frustrated. You may feel overwhelmed. You may just feel good old boredom. And you want to avoid that feeling, the feeling of frustration, the overwhelm or the boredom. And sometimes it's just simple desire. These are the feelings that you resist feeling. You have resistance to feeling frustration, overwhelm, or boredom, or even simple desire. There's part of your brain that knows you should avoid the candy in order to not spike your blood sugars and fix your type 2 diabetes. But then your brain, like, so you're like, ooh, candy. Candy sounds good. Chocolate's delicious. But then your brain's like, girl, we shouldn't be eating that. And then your brain starts to create reasons, i.e. embellishments or fabrications, that make the candy seem like a reasonable option. It makes it seem like a valid reason to eat the candy. These things sound like, you know, I have the desire of chocolate, but suddenly I embellish it with, I'm really hungry. Maybe my blood sugar is low. I'm tired, I need the energy. I didn't get enough food at lunch, so I need this. I might lose control and eat everything afterwards. I better eat this instead. I need energy for the rest of my day. I deserve a, re a reward because the day has been so challenging. We have a hundred reasons that we use to make the candy that we desire seem like a totally reasonable choice. Seems like an entirely valid option. Maybe even more than one reason at a time, right? Because we really like to heap it on because we really had got to have a really good reason to eat it. So interesting. We won't just let ourselves eat it because of desire. No, I have to have a really good reason. Like my blood sugar might be low. I better eat just one piece of candy. And that's what you do. You have just one piece of candy. And then you have another piece of candy and nibble a little bit more. And before you know it, you've nibbled on the candy all afternoon until it's time to go home. So initially, you start to experience the fading of the desire and maybe some levity or lightening of the frustration and the overwhelm and the boredom. But shortly afterwards, disappointment sets in. And from that disappointment, you have thoughts like, my blood sugar is gonna skyrocket, I shouldn't have done that. I'm never gonna meet my goals. I'm never gonna fix my diabetes. I'm never gonna figure this out. This is why I can't seem to do it. This is why I can't seem to fix my diabetes. And then suddenly like fear, fear of the outcome of our worsening diabetes sets in. Or you might feel the sinking feeling of failure set in. You may even feel some hopelessness with this. From here, many women find themselves eating more foods that don't deserve their, or don't serve their long-term goals, right? They continue to feel frustrated. Like the frustration and the overwhelm of work didn't go away. It's not like eating chocolate removes things from your schedule. You still have all of that feeling, but now you also have fear and failure and hopelessness added to it. And then you feel exhausted from all of these feelings. 
you know your kids will have to be picked up from school, from their after school sports, they're gonna have homework to do, and you're already exhausted at the end of your day from this. You tell yourself that it's easier to just pick up pizza on the way home, or maybe Chinese food and feed the family, right? Another, another little excuse, it's easier. I mean, yes, pizza's delicious, but I can't just eat it because I like pizza. I need to have a really good reason, like it's gonna make my life easier, right? We believe the excuse. It, we'll tell ourselves, it just makes sense to make it easier. You get home, you get the kids dinner, you eat the takeout after all, you've already missed the mark on the entire day with all the candy in the afternoon, another excuse. Can't just eat the food because it's tasty. I need to have a reason that makes it seem like a valid option, right? You help your kids with their homework, you get them prepared for school next day, you get them in bed, you clean the kitchen, and finally you have a few minutes for yourself where you can sit down and relax. You sit on the couch, you turn on the TV, and your brain starts to talk about the ice cream that's in the fridge, right? Tells you how you need something to wind down, how you've earned it because the day was so hard, how you didn't get to enjoy your dinner because too much was going on, right? You didn't get to enjoy it the way you wanted to because you were being pulled in so many different directions. An excuse, right? This is the valid reason that we're giving ourselves to have the Ben and Jerry's versus the, the truth is we just desire Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's is good. So suddenly you find yourself on the couch watching the masked singer with a pint of Ben and Jerry's in your lap. This scenario is clearly, I tried to point out, it's clearly peppered with excuses all over. Starting with the, I need the candy because I might be hungry or I'm hungry or I'm really hungry. Something about hunger being the reason that it's okay to eat candy and ending it with, I didn't get to enjoy my dinner, so I deserve the ice cream. All of these are reasons, they're embellishments. I desire food, but I've got to give myself more of a reason. I've got to embellish that desire with a valid reason for me to eat the food. So I think it's really important to see what actually is going on here. First, there are many things that you may want to do differently, meaning, if you're not giving yourself enough time to have some relaxation and some downtime, you may need to do differently in your world by setting aside some time for you so that you're not relying on food to create the feeling of less frustration, less overwhelm, to be more relaxed. You're not relying on food to create less boredom. That may need to be addressed, absolutely. But there is more going on here than just needing to create more time for you in your day. The skill that you need to develop, the skill that all, all the humans need to develop <laughs> is the ability to sit with a feeling, to feel an emotion that we don't necessarily like. All of the humans need to do this. Humans that have any big goals in life need to feel the unpleasant feelings because they're going to be there. And when we resist feeling them, we're missing out on a lot, a lot in life. So you need to develop the feeling or the, the ability to feel the feeling of desire, frustration, overwhelm, and boredom. What if you got really good at feeling those things? Think of what you could create and accomplish with your health if you were really good at just feeling desire, at just feeling frustration, 
at just feeling overwhelmed? What if you were like a total badass at feeling overwhelmed and not needing to do anything about it? What if you were really good about feeling bored? Like if you got really good at feeling all of these feelings without eating candy, what would your blood sugars be? I want you to take like 10 seconds, pause the podcast, take 10 seconds and consider this. Like where would your health be if that's what you were doing? We avoid these feelings. Why? We avoid them like they're going to physically harm us. We avoid these feelings the same way we'd avoid putting a knife in an electrical outlet. Like that would actually harm us. And you want to do everything you can to avoid putting something in an electrical outlet other than a plug, right? But we do everything and anything that we can to avoid some of these feelings. We can deny them. We do deny them. We distract from them. We Facebook, we gossip, we shop, we have a glass of wine, we eat, we do anything to avoid feeling the unmet desire, which I think is really interesting because sometimes we want desire, but we only want the desire if we're going to meet the desire, which is interesting. The feeling of desire is the same. Our ability to tolerate it comes from a belief about whether we're going to meet it or not meet it, which I just think is interesting and probably the topic of an entirely different podcast. But we avoid these feelings. We avoid the feeling of frustration, of overwhelm, of boredom, of disappointment, of feel, of failure, of fear, of hopelessness, of exhaustion. What is it that you believe about feeling this that is so bad about having the feelings? They do not physically harm you. When you feel overwhelmed, there is no blood. There's no need for stitches. Overwhelm is not something I frequently see in the emergency department. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Somebody fix me medically. This is not something that actually causes physical harm that requires you to do something. There is no physical need to avoid the feeling. So why are you avoiding it at all costs? Other than the answers of it's uncomfortable or it's not fun, I haven't heard a ton of really fabulous reasons for why humans cannot feel these feelings, these emotions. Sometimes women will tell themselves that they may not be able to handle the feeling. Like that's the story. That's the thought in their head. I may not be able to handle the overwhelm. I may not be able to handle the desire. How will you not handle it? Like what is going to happen? Like if you are forced to continue handling desire or overwhelm, you're not going to explode. You're not going to implode. How will you not be able to handle it? There is no feeling that actually physically harms us. Okay. So I want to talk for a minute about sensations versus feelings. I've talked about this a lot, but I want to review it because I think it's important here. There are sensations that happen that you should pay attention to. But feelings like desire and frustration and overwhelm and boredom are not sensations. They're feelings. Feelings come from our brain and they tell us information about what we're trying, what we're seeing in the world. They really tell us how to reconcile our internal experience with our external experience. That's what a feeling is telling us. No matter how intense the feeling is, they do not harm us. They don't harm our physical being. Sensations are different. They are carried by our sense organs, 
our nerves in our fingertips, our, you know, olfactory senses, our, you know, eyes, our optomic or ophthalmologic sensory organs from the external environment to the brain. Okay. Sensations bring information from our external environment via sensor organs to our brain where our brain interprets them. Even if you ever have studied the eye, the actual way that the eye gets a piece of information is actually upside down and inverted. And it goes to the back, just how the, it's reflected in the lens in our eyes, actually lands on our retina upside down and inverted, backwards. And it goes to the back of our brain and the occipital lobe, and it gets like, it gets, uh, I don't know, it gets, um, uh, the message gets decoded, right? It gets decoded into what we see, which is the right side up version of it, okay? That is what happens with these sensor organs. They take information, they go to our brain, our brain decodes it, okay? You may need to pay attention to some of those things, right? You may need to pay attention to what you're seeing, but you don't need to do the same thing with our feelings. You do need to pay attention to feelings, the things that are created in our brain, and then we assign to our body. That's a feeling versus a sense, a sensation, which is something we perceive in our body, and it's decoded by our brain, okay? A feeling is created in the brain and assigned to the body. Again, a sensation is felt by the body and decoded by the brain, okay? We may need to, like, there's something being told to us in the sensation, and we need to pay attention to that, yes. And you may need to even pay attention to the feelings, but you don't have to avoid the feelings, okay? So why do we avoid them in a way that we would avoid electrocution that actually harms us? So I want to welcome you to the idea this is a big one, guys. If you're shopping for shoes, come back to me. I want to welcome you to the idea that these feelings are exactly what you need to get good at. Experiencing these feelings is the exact thing that you need to get very good at in order to fix your type 2 diabetes. These feelings that you are avoiding are the exact thing that you need to be welcoming in order for you to learn to stop eating candy and pizza and Chinese food and ice cream so that you can have normal blood sugars. Creating some awareness will help you stop this cycle. And this is why it's so important to see the excuses. They are pointing you to the thing that you need to be doing. Okay. So how do we do this? How do you learn to do this? So first things first, you make a plan. You make a food plan. When you have a food plan, typically you're not putting hit the candy drawer, have pizza, and down a pint of Ben and Jerry's at night. That's not typically on the food plan that's going to involve you reversing your type 2 diabetes. So you make a food plan. When you make a food plan from your prefrontal cortex, you weigh the pros and the cons of all of your decisions of what's on the plan. You're considering all parts of the options that you have available to you and you make a decision based on your goals in life, okay? So the interesting thing, you always have the candy and the pizza and the Chinese food and the ice cream available to you. Nothing is special about that. Nothing is special about times you decide to eat them even. You don't put them on your plan from that prefrontal cortex that's weighing the pros and the cons. 
because the cons outweigh the pros. They move you. Eating those foods move you away from the goal that you have of normalizing your blood sugars. That's why you don't put them on the plant. Okay. So in order to learn how to stop managing feelings with those foods that are blocking you from your health, you have to make a plan from that prefrontal cortex. Without this plan, in the moment when it's time to do the thing, do the damn thing, execute the plan, in the moment when your feelings show up, your primitive brain, this other part of your brain is gonna wanna avoid the discomfort of all of these feelings. Avoid the discomfort of the unmet desire. Avoid the discomfort of the frustration, of the failure, of the helplessness, all the feelings. That primitive part of your brain is going to want to avoid those things. Your brain will want to avoid them as quickly as possible, and the candy jar is the answer. It's always the answer, and once again, it's the answer. Okay? So you have to make a plan in order for you not to be compelled or to see the inconsistency between what your primitive brain is offering you and what your prefrontal cortex knows is the right thing. You have to make a plan in order to keep you on that path towards your goal. So you start with the plan. And then when your brain starts driving you to the candy jar, you understand that your brain is trying to avoid an uncomfortable feeling. Anytime the candy jar is offered to you, it is not because you're starving. It is not, you're never starving. It is not because your blood sugar might be low. It is not because you might be hungry in the future. It is not because lunch wasn't satisfying enough. It is none of those reasons. Your brain is driving you to the candy jar because you have desire for candy, it's tasty. And then you're frustrated and bored and overwhelmed and gosh, today's so hard, I deserve it. Those are the reasons. So when your brain starts to drive you towards the candy jar, understand that it's just your brain trying to avoid an uncomfortable feeling. That's all that's happening. So I want you to figure out what the feeling is. What is it? Name it. Realize that the skill is learning how to have that feeling in your life. Like that is the skill you're trying to form here. Naming it and feeling it is part of that. There is information here in these feelings. Remember, the feeling is different from a sensation. Sensations are brought into your body via sensor organs like nerves in your skin that bring you information about your external environment. They bring information about the external environment to your brain, like the stove is hot. That's a sensation. A feeling is trying to reconcile what is occurring in your external experience with what your internal experiences have been. This is key, guys. The brain is a prediction machine. It wants to take what it knows, the internal experience, and use that information to figure out what's happening and going to happen with the current situation. That's the external experience. It wants to predict an outcome. We call this a thought, okay? The way that your brain tells you the information about this reconciliation and this predicting practice is with the feelings that you're having. So let's take overwhelm as an example. If you have different tasks scheduled every 15 minutes for your eight hour workday, your brain sees this on the schedule, the external experience, and your brain takes what it knows of days like this in the past, an internal experience, and it makes a prediction about what will happen. 
And this comes out as a thought that sounds like today is going to be a shit show. That thought gives you the feeling of overwhelm. Okay. That is where that's coming from. That's why it happens. So it's possible to challenge the outcome your brain is reconciling, right? It's possible to challenge. Is today going to be a shit show? I mean, like, is that necessary? If I stick to my schedule, maybe today I'll go off without a hitch. That's also possible, right? There is the possibility of challenging the thought that your brain is giving you, the reconciliation that the brain is giving you. That's thought work. But you have to be able to tolerate the feeling of overwhelm in order for you to get awareness of the thoughts. You must be at least resilient enough to that feeling of overwhelm if you're ever going to be able to see the thought for what it is, challenge the thought, and maybe see if there's another thought in there. You're never going to be able to change what that thought is creating without being resilient enough to see the thought. Okay. It is impossible to be aware and to see what these thoughts are and to challenge them and work on them if you're eating a jar of candy every afternoon because you're subduing the feeling of overwhelm that's telling you about the thought. You're no longer going to get that information that's trying to be told to you in this reconciliation process. This is why you have to get really good at feeling these feelings. This is why you have to stop eating these foods in order to deal with these feelings. This is why this work is so incredibly important. So, all right. So you make a plan, you follow the plan, you feel the feelings, you really get really good at feeling the feelings, and you fix your effing diabetes. That's how you do it. That's that's it. It's simple as that, right? I think that's hilarious. It is simple when I lay it out. But of course, if it was that simple, you wouldn't need to be talking to me. You wouldn't need to be listening to this podcast. If it were that simple, no one would eat foods that make them sick. You'd see the excuses for what they are and you'd stop. This is coaching. This is what makes coaching helpful. This is why coaching makes this process easier and quicker. It helps you see what your brain is doing so you can stop doing that. And you can normalize your blood sugars. You don't need meds anymore. Your doctor will get off your back. There is help for this. And this is what coaching does. If this is something you're needing, if this resonates with you, set up your reverse your diabetes assessment call. You can do that through my website. You can find that in my social media, on my profiles. You can find through the link tree. You can go there and you can set up the reverse your diabetes assessment call. You can email me, Delane at Delane MD. I will get it scheduled for you. Get the help that you need. It is possible to stop eating this food that's making you sick. It is possible to put this baloney behind you, okay? Live that life. Do the things that you want to do with your family and your grandchildren and all the people in your life. Have that vigor. Have that vitality. It's possible to get that back, but we have to stop believing these excuses and we have to see what they're actually trying to create for us. I hope this has been helpful. I am going to check the YouTube chat and answer any questions there, but I'm going to sign off the podcast. I will be back next week and I will talk with you then. Bye-bye.